I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi there and welcome to the Stock Club podcast, coming to you from the top floor of my Wall Street HQ here in Dublin, Ireland. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about Beyond Meat and the plant-based meat market, Snapchat's success with a gender swap filter, and the two stocks that we'd recommend to band Fleetwood Mac. Okay, so we are going to talk about some recent news. Rory, we're going to start with you. And you're talking about something that I've heard a hell of a lot about. Um, my customers have asked me about it, friends have asked me about it, and I'm very curious about it myself. Beyond Meat. Yeah, Beyond Meat are a producer of plant-based meat substitutes, famously the Beyond Burger. It's a beef-like patty that many meat lovers claim is actually better than the real thing. Uh, haven't got to try it myself. I've wanted to try it. Yeah. Yeah, so our, our colleague Luke here, who works in customer experience with me, was in a supermarket and saw a load of packets of Beyond Meat burgers. And I think me and Emmett requested that he buy the whole lot and bring them in. Yeah. Uh, he didn't get the slack on time, Damn. unfortunately. But yeah, I'm dying to try it. So am I. I've, been, I've actually purposely gone out of my way to go to uh, the local uh, supplier and it's just sold no out. Every, yeah, every time I go, there's just a big empty section where they have the price. But none of the so it's popular? Products. Apparently so. Right. Uh, it's very popular, at least in the stores, and very popular on the street at the moment. The company went public just over a month ago. I think it was about the start of May. Uh, they priced their shares at about twenty five dollars. Uh, that would have valued the business at about one point five billion dollars, which was is pretty pricey. I mean, the company in the last or well, when they IPO'd, the company had trailing twelve month sales about eighty eight million dollars. So to be a one point five billion dollar company with those kind of sales is pretty steep. But since then, uh, the price has multiplied about sevenfold. They hit a high of $186 uh, just over a week ago. They've come a bit back down since then, but you're still looking at a business now which is priced in the region of like 80 to 90 times sales. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and this isn't a technology company. It's not. Um, they're not curing cancer or selling SaaS or anything like that. They, they're making uh, meat-based burgers, burger substitutes, mostly from pea protein. Uh, so, yeah, it's just there's, there's been what I would, described as kind of a mania going on there over has the, been, yeah. yeah yeah it's uh you know a lot of people have asked us should they invest in it we always say don't invest in a company that soon in post ipo because this is the kind of mad hype that you see going on um you know when, when there's a stock that's going up 30 30 one day going down 20 percent the next day going up 11 percent the next day it's not you're not investing this is this is casino games yeah at this point um now, like in terms of the business, it's a really good business. They have a really smart uh, CEO in uh, Ethan Brown. Um, it's future relevant. Um, the meat industry is the largest category in food uh, by far. Uh, in 2017, they generated sales across retail and food services of about $270 million just in the US. Hmm. Okay. Sorry, did I say million? Billion dollars. <laughs> uh, we'll fix that in post. Uh, so... You know, it's a huge market opportunity. Even their own S1 
beyond me to say that 13% of all milk sold in the US uh, today is non-dairy milk, so almond milk, soy milk. Um, and if you were to take that figure and apply it to the meat industry, you'd be looking at a $35 billion a year um, market. So capturing even a slice of that would be would make this a really good business. But uh, it's, a, it's a stock I'd love to own, but not at these prices. It, it really needs to come back down to earth. Okay. Something that struck me about Beyond Meat was um, before Christmas, well, a few months before Christmas, um, when Canada legalised marijuana, there was all this hype about weed companies and marijuana mm. companies and everybody trying to get in on them. And then if you go a year back from that again, there was all the hype about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And it seems like this plant-based alternatives to meat is, is the new trend of the moment. Yeah, I mean, look, there definitely was mania before Bitcoin, but I do think Bitcoin definitely kicked off uh, a new kind of series of furors about whatever is the next big thing is going to be. Yeah. Um, you could even look back to like Pokemon Go <laughs> a couple of years ago. Do you remember when yeah. and everyone was trying to buy Nintendo shares? Not, yeah. Not understanding that Nintendo actually didn't make the game. They were just like part of their like, <laughs> slightly involved in it. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, there is this, you know, everyone wants to get in on the ground. Everyone wants to be the person who bought it on the first day and saw something rocket, you know, even after a few months to have your stock up 7x is, is, is a great return. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd hold back a bit at the moment, if, I, if uh, me personally, unless you yeah. like gambling. <laughs> is it true that the burgers, when cooked, start to bleed uh, fake blood? They do. And what do we think of that? Do we think it's, it's a gimmick or it's attention to detail and fairness? But uh... it's trying to capture that kind of um, is it umami or umani? That kind of meaty savory it's for the mediators that want to cut down obviously so that they feel kind of comfortable i guess yeah well like so you know when we talk about investing a lot of the time we try and think about what are people going to be doing in 15 20 years but like as important is what are people not going to be doing um it's kind of hard to figure out how you're going to profit off people not doing something you know if you if you knew back in the 60s that in 30 years time very few people would be smoking cigarettes how would you make money out of that but if we were to say in 20 years people aren't going to be eating meat anymore this is kind of a, an avenue for exploring that as an investment. So, you know, yeah. there is a there is a bull case there, definitely. Yeah, there is a push to move away from eating so much meat. I'm mm. going to be trying the, the Beyond Meat burgers as soon yeah. as I get my hands on them. Yeah, I think one of the kind of side notes to this is that uh, health-wise, they're not great. Um, Salty, I'd say. A lot of sodium. Um, it's They're actually higher calories than uh, a normal beef patty. Uh -huh. Really? Yeah. So, well, so to, to pitch it as a kind of healthy alternative to eating meat is, I, I think, a bit misleading. But okay. if you're, you know, if you are a fan of our fellow mammals and you don't want to engage in eating meat that often, it's a, are are Beyond Meat taking that approach in like their marketing? Are they saying it's a healthy alternative or it's a meat alternative? There's an awful lot you can say with packaging without <laughs> saying it. Yeah, true. I, you know, just yeah. I'll let the listeners decide for themselves. They see what's going on in the media and the, the marketing and decide whether they think they're pushing it as a healthy alternative. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing if it has more calories than red meat. Like, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, so, if you think, like, you think, like, socially, environmentally, eating meat is a, is a bad thing. Yeah. So, if you're on that buzz... There's a sacrifice. There's a sacrifice. There. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was Beyond Meat. And we're moving on to a second news story. James, you're going to talk to us about a recent Snapchat filter. Yeah. So Snap Inc. Um, probably not one of the, the favorite companies in here at my Wall Street. But um, yeah. So I was reading an article recently. So as many of you might know, back at the start of May, 
Snapchat is famous for its filters, so when you use the camera, it kind of puts masks and wigs on your, your head. But um, they released three new filters at the start of May that kind of went a bit viral. So one was a filter that made you look like a baby. I saw that one. <laughs> uh, which was a bit creepy. But the <laughs> other ones, uh, one made you look more masculine, so there was a lot of uh, women using it and getting their what they would look like as a man, and then one made you look more feminine. So a lot of men, myself included, <laughs> saw what I would look like as a woman. Yeah. So it went viral. You saw on Twitter, on Snapchat itself, on Facebook, there was loads of pictures of people putting themselves up, uh, what they would look like as the opposite sex. But um, I read an article there at the start of the week that said over the month of May, Snapchat got 41.5 million downloads. So this is more than double the amount of downloads they got the month before and almost double the amount of downloads they got the year before in the same month. So clearly these new filters had a huge effect on, on uh, Snapchat downloads. Just going down a bit more into the figures here, we can see that in three separate days in May, they got more than one million downloads a day. Um, and one day they actually got more than two million uh, downloads. So, you know, these filters went really viral and really boosted uh, Snapchat's download. So it kind of prompted me to go back and kind of have a look at Snapchat and its parent company, Snap Inc, a bit closer. Um, they were about two years ago, I think it was, they IPO'd March two years ago, mm -hmm. 2017. And, yeah. you know, there was a lot of kind of like Beyond Meat now, maybe not to the same degree, but there was a lot of hype around their IPO. A lot of people yeah. messaging us in, I remember, Total asking mania. were we going to be adding yeah. to the, the, the app. Um, mm -hmm. So we kind of, I think rightly so, uh, steered clear of it at the time but I kind of went back and looked and I had a look at their last earnings report and there was some really interesting things I saw in it. One of the biggest things that caught my eye was um, CEO Evan Spiegel said that um, in the last earnings call he said that 90% of all 13 to 24 year olds and 75% of all 13 to 34 year olds in the US um, are using Snapchat at the moment. What? So any advertising in Snapchat reaches these demographics. How many? I'll say again, 90% of all 13 to 24 year olds and 75% of all 13 to 34 year olds. Yeah, I, I, we can't <laughs> relate here. I mean, like, I, uh, so shout out to my friend Terry, who uses Snapchat very well. Hey, Terry. He used the baby one and I was slightly unsettled, um, the baby filter. But yeah, we can't relate here. I like, I don't know anyone in my peer group apart from Terry who uses Snapchat. I use Snapchat. Right, daily? No, not daily, no. So like For the laugh? Yeah, kind of for the laugh. It's more I use it to kind of slag my different friend, make fun of friends. That's kind of what I've do done. You, like, do you send things on it? I would just send individually. So like, I, you know, like um, I know Instagram have like stories where everyone mm. sees it and Snapchat is the same. Well, Instagram ripped off Snapchat with that. But, um, yeah. you know, I would only send like in person to person, not okay. broadcast. It How I, dare I, you accuse Mark Zuckerberg of ripping Snapchat? <laughs> that is, that is, is libelous. <laughs> I have Snap on my phone, but I never use it. And like, yeah, yeah OK, so I, I generalise there. But I think the difference between here and the States is that they use it all day, every day. It's their means to communicate. Like, yeah. WhatsApp. That's how I see teenagers using it in the States. Yeah, but it was just really struck me because, you know, if, you, if you're if you paying attention over the last year or so, that it, the big news was that Instagram has completely overtaken Snapchat. It's taken its idea. It's, you know, blown it out of the water. But, you know, with a claim like that, you know, 90% of all 13 to 24-year-olds in the US being exposed to Snapchat advertising. Don't believe it. <laughs> Well, how about some of the my Wall Streeters downstairs? Some of our younger colleagues yeah. do. Megan and Luke and Jamie use Snap. Maybe I don't. I have no idea because I'm too old. 
I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. We're all too old. We're Maybe too we're old. just out of the snap loop. I mean, that's a big statistic, you know. Any, yeah. any younger listeners out there, get in touch. Yeah, any my Wall Street listeners who can prove send, us wrong. Send James a snap. <laughs> <laughs> um, some, just some other stats then from the most recent quarter report. Um, they're starting to grow their daily active users again. So there was a big problem back in 2017. They redesigned their app and there was a big backlash against it. They lost... Um, millions of users, but they're starting to grow uh, their user base again, albeit slowly. They have about 190 million users at the moment, which is flat on the same time last year. Um, and their ARPU, so their average revenue per user, is about $1.68. Uh, cents. Uh, and in the US specifically, it's $2.81. So, Rory, I remember a few podcasts uh, ago, we were talking about Pinterest mm-hmm. and the, the amount of money they make um, Per person, so it's it's a significant amount more than Pinterest, but but a, a significant amount less than Twitter. Yeah, that's true. What's Twitter again? <laughs> like eight dollars a user. Okay, <laughs> it's pretty. I think they're the the top. Uh, last time I checked, Facebook's not too far behind. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Twitter's the top. I actually didn't know that. Well, we're we're a, we're a different. We're an altogether higher class of social media user <laughs> over here on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, but they, they were some. So uh, like you, when you look at some of the figures of uh, Snapchat, you know, you, you think it's back on the up. But then when you compare it to Instagram, which is probably its its main rival, um, Instagram had reported 500 million daily active users back in January. Uh, and in 2018 alone, its ad revenue was $9 billion. So, you know, kind of Snapchat have loads of things coming up. They're actually launching their own original shows this month, I think, towards the end of this month. They're, they've... Um, they forge partnerships with Tinder and some other apps as well to share the content on the app externally. But it kind of comes back to the point that if they're only seeing growth spikes from kind of gimmicky lenses and things like that, yeah. I still don't fancy it as an investment. Can I say something about companies coming out and creating their own content? Yes. They're usually terrible at it. <laughs> like Apple as well said, we're going to create our own content. Snapchat are creating their own content. Like it's not that easy. Like Netflix are really good at it. And every time someone comes out and says, we're going to create our own content, everyone goes, oh, that's going to kill Netflix. But like, it's actually a really hard thing to do to create really good content. I just think companies throw that out there all the time as this kind of like, this is our plan for the future. Um, GoPro said they were going to be a media company at one point. They were going to have their own YouTube channel with millions of people watching it every day. I don't buy it. Rory, you're really still stinging over Apple TV. <laughs> yeah. Apple TV Plus, James. Oh, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> forgot that plus. Okay, is that a wrap on Snap? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next segment for today is one that I think we've missed for the last few podcasts, which is I read a book. Rory, yep. I believe you read a book. Uh, <laughs> makes a change. Um, I, <laughs> Are you reading a book? I, I, so I'm achingly close to finishing this book. Fair enough. I meant to do it last night and then plans got in the way. Uh, yeah, I'm reading a book. Uh, the book is called, I'm nearly finished, it's a really good book, I would highly recommend it. Uh, the book is called Loonshots. Um, Loonshots? Yeah, like Google's Moonshots, but with an L. Okay. Uh, and it is written by a guy called Safi Bakal, sorry if I mispronounced that, uh, a physicist by education, but an entrepreneur by trade, and I suppose now an author. Um, and what this book is, is a real deep dive into how the most crazy ideas, the ideas that like really change the world, um, came to fruition and how were often overlooked and dismissed. Uh, so I'll start with the, the example he starts with, which I think is a really good one, which is the idea of radar. 
which was accidentally discovered by two radio engineers in 1922. Uh, everyone thought it was crazy, um, that it was never going to work. It was a total stupid idea. Um, and it wasn't until 1943 that the US Army finally got their act together and started using it, mm. and it basically won the war. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> to give a little example of that, in March 1943, the Allies lost 514,000 tons of supplies due to German U-boats. Mm. Uh, by June, that had dropped to 22,000 tons just because of radar in wow. three months. Uh, it basically demolished what was the Germans' uh, complete dominance off the seas. Uh, it helped the British win the Battle of Britain, um, even though they were greatly outnumbered by the Luftwaffe. Mm -hmm. um, and this all was done basically because of one person whose name was Vannevar Bush, who was 100% convinced that science was the only way the Allies were going to win the war and dedicated his life to making sure that the government knew this was the case and funded all these projects. So the book is full of stories of people like him, uh, people who kind of rubbed against the grain and challenged the status quo. Uh, there's a story of a Japanese doctor who tested over 6,000 different types of mushroom bacteria because he was convinced that it could help lower cholesterol and he was right and was uh, his discovery led to the creation of statins which has saved multiple millions of people over the last 30 years. Um, but not only that, he actually like goes in as well into how some companies totally overlook really good ideas and dismiss them and end up losing out massively. So uh, an example is in 2004, a bunch of very excited people working at Nokia came up with a new type of phone, which was internet ready. It had a full big color touchscreen display, a high resolution camera, and they even invented what they called an app store. Um, and the heads of Nokia told them that was a stupid idea and not to bother with it. And about three years later, Steve Jobs got up on a stage in uh, San Francisco and announced the, uh, the iPhone. So uh, Nokia, between the time Nokia was the biggest mobile company in the world uh, to when it sold its mobile division in 2016, lost about a quarter of a trillion dollars in value. Wow. Jesus. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, there's. I mean, I, I could go on and on. There's loads of examples yeah. of these of these uh, little stories happening. It's a really good read. He's a really good writer. Mm. Um, every everything, every page is interesting. Yeah. Um, and I highly recommend it. Does he go into detail about why bosses and those in positions of power stomp down on these things? Is it about fear and is it about cynicism and? Yeah. So it's so it's about being able to nurture things while protecting what you have. So he gives a good example of Steve Jobs, who, when he first ran Apple, was uh, he, he defines people as either artists or soldiers. So artists are the mad, crazy, creative people who go out and think of crazy ideas that people usually dismiss. And soldiers are the people who work hard to do what they're supposed to do every single day. And the reason Jobs got fired from Apple, or one of the reasons he gives, is because Jobs was totally focused on being an artist. He didn't care about maintaining the business. He just wanted to create mad new things. And then when he came back years later, he'd learned to foster both the artist, which you could say is maybe Johnny Ive, and the soldier, which is Tim Cook. Yeah. So he'd managed to create a balance there and that's why the iPhone got invent, uh, created and the iPod got created and why Apple became the most valuable company in the world. Okay, and the book is called Loon Shots. Loon Shots. I'll give its full title actually because it's a bit of a mouthful. Hold on yeah. one second now. L double O N Shots. Yeah, Loon Shots. Uh, <laughs> loon Shots. How to nurture the crazy ideas that win wars, cure diseases, and transform industries. Okay, excellent. That's good. 
So just before we move on, I just want to mention some of the new things we have in the My Wall Street app at the moment. Um, we added a new stock to the showroom this week. It's one that fits in nicely with some of our other payment companies like PayPal and MasterCard. We also have June's stock of the month live in the app at the moment. Um, this is a company that's experiencing huge success with its new strategy that they think could net them as much as $20 billion uh, a year in the next five years. So you can check out both of these plus our full market beating list of 102 stocks now in the My Wall Street app. Okay, jargon busters. Bust some jargon. We have three. The first one is definitely something that comes up often. What does it mean to buy on margins and why is it bad to do so? Uh, so yeah, buying on margin is when you're, if you've got a couple of, you've got a bit of money in your brokerage account, your broker will inevitably uh, say to you, hey, do you want to borrow that much again to invest? Um, and you can do that and you can borrow money to invest in the stock market. So um, it's a bad idea. Uh, well, I think it's a bad idea. Uh, you obviously you're leveraging yourself at this point. So you're increasing if you're if you're successful, you're increasing your profits. But if you're not successful, you're increasing your losses. And um, it basically it takes a little bit of the control away that you have when it comes to how you want to manage your account, particularly if you start seeing a big loss, mm. uh, yeah. you can be forced to uh, sell your stock in order to pay back the loan. So um, if Emma was here, he'd give a much better story about why margin <laughs> buying is bad, but in, in, in his absence, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And buying on margins, is that something that your broker either will or will not allow you to do? Uh, yeah, it, it depends on kind of, different brokers have different rules for who they allow buy on margin, but okay. yeah, it's if you have a bit of cash in the bank, they'll usually extend you the offer. Okay, I see. Right. Okay, the next one is actually about the plant-based meat market. So we've already mentioned this topic with Beyond Meat. Mm. And it's a question that comes in from a new customer actually that I've been in touch with. So thanks for sending this in, Gabriel. It is a question on a company called Impossible Foods. Yeah. And it's just basically asking about, I suppose, our take on that and the number of other plant-based meats um, and the kind of boom there in general. So it's an extension of the uh, Beyond Meat. I mean, I don't know if either of you guys are familiar with Impossible Foods. I've heard of them. Yeah, they uh, do a similar thing to Beyond Meats. Um, I'm... Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I think they use GMOs. Okay. Um, which some people are very against. So that's going to be a kind of negative for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some reviews I've got from people across the pond say impossible meats or impossible uh, foods. Foods is that taste better than the Beyond Meat Burger. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a similar play. Uh, are they public? They're not public. Okay. No, uh, they're talking about it, but we don't know when they're going to go public yet. But. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, similar. They're the they're the lift to be on meets uh, Uber. They're, right, I see. Yeah, they're just another company doing the same thing. I don't know. There's there doesn't seem to be much information about what protection these companies have, in terms of patenting what they do. You know, it's it, really what they're doing is taking the protein that you find in garden peas, and messing it around so that it, it works as a as a meat substitute. I don't think you can trademark that. I don't think you can patent that. That's just something that anyone can do. So uh, it'll be interesting to see when everything calms down, how the market thinks about this company, these companies in general, uh, what kind of you know multiple they're willing to put on it because it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that uh, they're going to be the only two companies that are doing. Yeah, interestingly as well, just before we came up to record, uh, I don't think you mentioned this, Rory, that Tyson Foods, one of the biggest producers of meat in the US, <laughs> announced that they're unveiling plant-based nuggets 
but uh, funnily enough, it's not. They're not vegetarian or vegan. It's like a. It's like part meat substitute, part meat. Yeah, so they're just trying blended, to blend it. I think they call it. Which sounds that awful. sounds bad. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, let's just let's just call a spade a spade. If you're gonna eat one thing or the other, that's fine. But a blended nugget of meat and nuggets <laughs> sounds bad. Well, Tyson Foods was one of the early investors in Beyond Meats and um, foolishly sold their shares a couple of weeks before the IPO. So Ouch. I'm sure someone got fired based on that. Statement. Yeah, they call it. Well, they've plans to release a blended burger. Like I don't think blended is a very good description for meat no not, not for something that you're about to eat yeah no and it is there is meat in it it's just kind of they're trying to boost the protein by adding the okay pea isolation okay very good right so that was our second piece of jargon to bust and the third one is it's a, quite a broad one actually so I'm not sure how we'll deal with it but it's basically asking how would we describe my Wall Street's investing strategy so the idea of value investing growth stocks long term um, I suppose we'd kind of lean towards growth, but I don't like to describe us that way. Uh, what we're very much about is buying businesses, not stocks. We, we, we don't like to think of them as stocks. We like to think of buying really good businesses with good leadership that are going to be future relevant. It's um, So, yeah, I mean, we don't we definitely don't do the kind of Warren Buffett's margin of safety style uh, thing. Um, we we are looking for really future relevant businesses that are going to make a lot of money over the next 10, 20 years. That's probably d- dialed down to the, the most simple. I think version. I'd agree fully with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a good. Well done, Investing in the business rather than the stock. Thank you you really nailed that one. <laughs> <laughs> You've really come along. <laughs> um, okay, so we are moving on to elevator pitch. And I definitely had a raised eyebrow when I read what the topic is. I'll get one of you guys to fill me in. So the the topic of our elevator pitch this week is a Fleetwood Mac related stock. I'm going to let you just uh, explain (laughs) this, Rory, because it was your idea. Um, Fleetwood Mac are playing tonight in Dublin. And both me and James are heading along. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, we're both quite excited about well, this. Well, two thumbs up to Stevie Nicks and two thumbs up to a lot of Fleetwood Mac tunes. I'm very curious to see where this goes. Who will I throw to first? I'll go first. Okay, James. Do I have, how long do I have? You have 60 seconds. So, uh, besides music, Fleetwood Mac is a band that's famous for all the makeups and breakups behind the scenes. Uh, probably the most famous of these is the relationship between Stevie Nicks and... Uh, Lindsay Buckingham. Mm-hmm. Um, so the stock I'm picking for Fleetwood Mac is Match.com, uh, or the Match Group. <laughs> so according to the company's website, 64% of all relationships in the US uh, that started on a dating site did so through a Match Group product. Uh, they had 8.6 million subscribers uh, to its services in the last quarter, and more than half of these came from Tinder, which is the company's most valuable product. Speaking of Tinder, it's the world's most downloaded and highest grossing dating app, pulling in an estimated $805 million in revenue in 2018 alone. Um, so although the company is out and out leader for online dating in America, it still has a massive addressable market overseas. According to their own research, there are more than 400 million single people living outside of North America and Europe, and two thirds of those have not tried a dating product yet. So to take advantage of this, the company recently appointed three general managers in Asia with responsibility for growing the uh, company's portfolio in the region. 
Um, but to circle back to Fleetwood Mac, Lindsay Buckingham won't be at the gig tonight because he and, he and Stevie Nicks don't get on anymore. So my investing thesis, if you want to call it that, is that if Tinder was around back in the day, the members of Fleetwood Mac could have found people outside the band to date and they'd still all be together today. <laughs> I, you were running over but I had to yeah. let you finish that because I knew that you'd really thought of it I took the garden part, path around very good oh god I didn't think about this as much as he did <laughs> well look let's let's get the this is gonna lift be a, this, much quicker on the way down yeah there's going to be a looser association okay I hear you but based on the band's seminal 1975 track Landslide I am going to pitch Vale Resorts the uh, out-and-out leader in ski resorts across North America, Canada. They've got one in Australia. Um, and, yeah, skiing is just something that people love to do. Uh, they're not going to stop doing it. Uh, vale has the best properties out there. Um, they have, you know, underlying assets that are actually mountains. Um, they're not making any more of them. Uh, they've successfully diversified their revenue away from their main two uh, resorts, which was Colorado and Lake Tahoe. They now have a, a number of resorts just through acquisition. They also have one in Australia, as I mentioned before, which gives them a bit of um, a bit of revenue coming in on the skis during the what is the summer months in um, in the United States. And yeah, I just think it's a really good business. It's uh, business going to be around 10, 20 years, and they'll still be generating great revenue. Okay. I don't think Vale would be happy to be associated with landslide. <laughs> True. Well, <laughs> that's how I decided to go for this. <laughs> okay, so staying out in the kind of left area of the choice for this elevator pitch, my favourite uh, Fleetwood Mac song would be The Chain. Yeah. So, James, I'm with you. Let's yes. go and see if Stevie and Co could have stayed together. Get them on <laughs> I was going to go with Apple just for like the Mac, but. Then Rory laughed at me when he heard it, so... Uh, yeah, the chain you could go for, like, McDonald's. Ah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Right. Well, you should have thought of that before. That's all we've got. That's all we got. We're done. Okay, so don't forget to check out the new content that James mentioned earlier in the My Wall Street app this week. And again, if there's anything that you want us to discuss or explain, you can send it to us and we'll make sure to do so at pod at mywallstreet.com, which is pod at mywallst.com, or you can tag us on Twitter. Again, if you'd enjoy the podcast, we really would appreciate a review. So we'll talk to you in two weeks and very happy investing. <laughs>